Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Recorded live. One, two, one, two. It is Tuesday night, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. The Garage Grill Boxing Podcast. Returns, I am your host, Roberto Flack, soon to be joined by my man, R.O.D., and we, uh, we're in like, it's, you know, I guess what, what they call now um, the, the, the fall, well, we're in the fall now, but as far as like this whole week, you know, people don't like to call it Halloween for, you know, whatever reason, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's the final week in a very lackluster month in boxing. I mean, we've, we've gotten a lot of fights this year. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I think of all the months this year, this has been the least active. Uh, some of the other months, I think like July, uh, we had, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Crawford versus Paul School. That was a pay-per-view fight. Uh, for boxing fans, it was a big fight. Uh, but I think that was like the only big fight in July. But we, you know, October's just been like a just a super dead month. But man, next month, starting really next week, oh man, are we gonna be hit over the head with boxing literally every single week of the month, even leading into the following month, which we're gonna kind of talk about uh, a bit tonight. And uh, yeah, man. So you know, before I start the show, man, look, like I said, this is like kind of like. Uh, you know, if you, if you guys have cable, you know, they got the AMC Fear Fest popping off right now. And um, <laughs> I, I think uh, most people, I mean, I, I think the majority of the crew, I mean, speaking for ROD, you know, we're walking deadheads. We saw the show. <laughs> we saw the outcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So being that, you know, uh, boxing hasn't uh, – been there to kind of like keep us, you know, aware of what's going on. There's obviously still news, but naturally, uh, particularly this week as well, all these horror movies being shown and so forth, it was natural that the Walking Dead season premiere took place. And me and ROD are going back and forth like, yo, what in the heck is going on here, man? Uh, and I know some of the some of the listeners, man, they they watched the they watched the show as well, man. So it, it was kind of funny. Um, you know, I, I was kind of, I was kind of saying, uh, you know, for those who do watch the show, man, um, I think boxing needs a Negan, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we need somebody in there to start, uh, to start checking some dudes, <laughs> start checking some of these promoters and network people and so forth, man. But like all, all of that aside, man, um, we're, you know, we're in the last, like I said, the last week of October, and funny enough, man, uh, being that we don't have really much boxing to discuss uh, as far as fights from this past week. And there is a fight taking place this weekend, actually, that we kind of forgot about. But naturally, there's a reason for it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> and um, I think I got OD and I got my man Bo on the line. What is good, fellas? What's going on, man? Yo, yo, yo. 
Yeah, so ROD, man, I was just speaking uh, to the audience, man. Like, <laughs> you know, naturally, you know, like it's been a dead month as far as boxing is concerned, man. But, you know, this is kind of, um, you know, a horror, horror film week as, you know, the, you know Halloween is, is next week. But naturally, we would see all these horror movies pop up the week before. But, you know, we're walking deadheads. <laughs> and we were watching the, on the show Sunday night, man. And <laughs> it's kind of like... I was just making the joke that boxing, I feel like, needs somewhat of a Negan in there a little bit to not maybe bash people's heads in, but to kind of check some people, check some promoters, check some fighters. But uh, I, I'm actually happy that this is the final week in, you know, a, a very lackluster month. But I think we're, like I said, we're going to get hit over the head massively uh, next, starting next week and leading into the in, – higher month that is not riddled with just boxing, but major fights, <laughs> you know? So um, one thing I want to, I, I mean, we going into today's show, man, I really didn't have much to talk about outside of, um, I guess a little mini preview of Ward Kovalev. I mean, that's obviously, the, in my opinion, the biggest fight of next month. Uh, I want to do just like a small preview. You know, we got it. We're going to do the show in a couple of weeks, you know, with, with the entire, you know, with the crew and everything. Um, but we, uh, we got major, major announcement from Showtime today. And I kind of wanted to start off the show with that because it's funny how, like, this month has just been really dry, not a lot going on. And just, you know, before you know it, I mean, we're already, like, planning for next month in December. And we're, like, already set. And, man, we get a hit over the head with Showtime's first quarter of 2017, man. And I'm going to run down these fights with you guys real quick. Because these fights, again, <laughs> these aren't just your run-in-the-mill fights. These are major fights for the respective divisions. We know all these fighters. And I, I think uh, when it concerns Showtime, you know, they are laying down, they are throwing the hammer down for the first quarter of 2017. Now, we already know December 10th, we're going to have J-Rock and, and Jamal Charlo, and we're going to have uh, Abner Mars, Jesus Cuellar. That's a big fight, but we also got word, and I'll, I'll let you guys talk about I don't want to talk about every single fight. I'm just going to take... Just like these key fights, I'm, and I'm going to leave obviously the biggest one for last. <laughs> um, we finally got the confirmation: Badu Jack versus James uh, James and Gale. Uh, that's taking place January 14th on Showtime. So, what do you guys think about that fight finally happening? Well, first I want to say thank you guys for having me on. Um, here's the thing: Showtime. As if you guys remember, this is nothing new. Showtime had kicked something off like this earlier in the year where they came out with this massive card, you know, and just, just everybody pumped and going. So, you know, uh, shout out to them because, you know, they've always been like the little sister, uh, you know, or the little brother to HBO. So now, you know, they're starting to bring it. And, uh, but the Bondu Jack James DeGale fight is a very interesting fight because. Uh, it, it takes me back to something Larry Murchie once said. Sometimes you have, to, sometimes you won't look good in the fight. You just have to win and look good the next fight. I'm referring to James DeGale. 
he didn't look so spectacular in his last little outing. And uh, uh, he has a style that is so awkward and so difficult. You know, uh, it, you know, it, it could throw you off your game. Um, he's very elusive. He's a he's a good. Uh, you know, he reminds me like of a of a super middleweight version of Chris Bird. You know, he's very good in the pocket. He's elusive. You know, he switches up. And then you have Bondi Jack, who turned his career around. Remember, he had a devastating loss, and everybody thought he was a hype job. But he turned his entire career around. And uh, he had a, uh, you know, he had a good outing against Lucian Butte. So this is a, to me, this is a 50-50 fight. This is a pick and fight because Bondu Jack has good footwork. Bondu Jack, you know, he, uh, when he lets his hands go, his combinations are very fluid, and um, he can he he has a little bit of inside game, and he also can fight a little bit in the pocket. I don't know if he's as good as James Gale. So this is a very interesting fight. It's a very intriguing fight. It's a very important fight, but most importantly, it's a unification bout with two guys in their prime. And that's mm-hmm. what boxing needs more than anything in the world is guys in their prime pushing yep. the product forward because that's what's going to make them see it. Because, you know, the one thing division is, is, one of, is one of them divisions that's slowly creeping up on you and becoming hot. You know, you got that guy Ramirez. He holds the title. Um, uh, you know, you still got the Durrell brothers. You know, they're a force, you know, in, uh, you know, in that division. So the 168-pound division is slowly starting to creep up. And, you know, Cats are starting to make some noise. But I like this fight. It's a 50-50 fight. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things in store for the winner of this fight. And I, I, now I'm, I'm picking the girl because I love his sister. I don't want to see that pretty woman cry. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a 50-50 fight, though. Nice, nice. R.O.D., what do you think, man? I agree, man. I mean, I think both said it said it perfectly, man. You know, just the mere fact that we're going to get two two fighters in their prime in the unification belt is really what stands out to me. Other than you know the other stuff, the obvious stuff that Bo talked about, you know, skill set wise. But that's what really stood out to me. It's just okay, we getting two fighters in their prime unification belt. You know, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, man. I mean, that, I I I mean, I think we kind of knew it was going to happen, but. I think getting the confirmation because I don't think neither of these these both of these guys want to fight each other. You know what I mean? I mean I think I think it was the Gale's last fight where where Jack went in and Floyd was behind him and he's like oh we're gonna get this on boom boom boom. So like we kind of saw this on the horizon. I'm glad it's happening and I'm glad it's happening like the first month of the year. Um, with, you know it's a big fight man for the division man. I mean I don't remember the last time there was a unification fight at super middleweight. I mean outside of like when they were doing the super six and. You know, Andre Ward had, I mean, I, I forgot who he fought for the unification. I think, I mean, was it Frotch or was it Kessler? One of those guys, I think he fought, it was, it was a unification fight. I think, that, know, that was like I think a, it was, uh, was Frotch. Because that, that, okay. I think that was the last fight of the Super 6 tournament was him and Frotch. Yeah, and I think it was for the, I think it, like one of them had the green strap. or I think Frotch, had the, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have. I've, I, man, I can't, I can't keep up anymore with these guys. Um, but that's that's that fight. Um, two other fights that got announced: uh, Adrian Broner versus Adrian Granados. Now this is going to be an interesting fight, and I told Rod and the crew this man. This is not the type of fight that Adrian Broner should come in. Uh, not not to say that he doesn't train and so forth, but I mean he needs to be laser focused for this fight because if you look at the guys that Granados has been in there with. He hasn't been in there with, with 
cab drivers, no disrespect. He's been in there with top-level guys, man, <laughs> for that division. So I think for Broner, man, this is not only an opportunity for Granados, but even for him, man, because, I mean, if you can get past this type of guy who he's gotten majority – I mean, he's lost fights to, like, Felix Diaz and, 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 and some of these guys, but, like, close fights. These weren't dominations, man. So I think for Broner, um, tough opponent for, uh, for him to launch into bigger fights from there, big opportunity for Granados. A fight I'm very interested in. This might be the sleeper of all these fights. There's two more I'm going to announce. Mikey Garcia facing Dijon Zlatikanen. Let me, let me pronounce this correctly. Zlatikanen. Undefeated. Uh, I think he's 22-0, 15 knockouts. Uh, I believe this is for... Uh, yeah, it is the WBC lightweight title. His lightweight title. Um, again, let me, let me, uh, let me apologize Zlatikanen, uh, that's taking place, I believe, in February. Mikey Garcia, I mean, credit to him, man. I mean, he's been a guy, been out of the ring for a little while, obviously having promotional issues. I don't believe he's – I forgot the last time he fought. I mean, he fought some months ago. But, I mean, that's a hell of a fight to jump into after um, a pretty lengthy layoff. I mean, he fought uh, this past, um, past July against uh, Ilya Rojas. That's right. So, very interesting fight. January, actually, January 28th is when it's taking place at the MGM Grand. So, I believe that will be on Showtime. The last two fights, um, one fight I think we kind of hope, we were hoping it would happen. I didn't think it was going to happen right away. But Carl Frampton, Leo Santa Cruz too, man. That's taking place in February. The first fight, uh, Bo had put up on his page, uh, you know, candidate for fight of the year. I mean, no doubt. Um, I mean, really, really good fight. I actually became a, a, a bigger fan of Carl Frampton in this fight. Um, I expect a second fight to be probably just as exciting. Uh, I cannot wait to, you know, see these two guys go at it again. I mean, there has been, you know, obviously after the fight, there were a lot of people that wanted to see at, at least Carl Frampton fight Guillermo Rigondeaux, being that he was the mandatory. Um, for the, I believe the WBA title for the time that he had, but being that you know we know that's not gonna happen, <laughs> I'll take this rematch uh, for Leo Santa Cruz. He didn't walk away from the first fight. Um, it's it's one of those situations where like he lost, but he didn't lose. A, like his stock didn't go down that much. I mean, Leo Santa Cruz is still a good fighter. Uh, I think Carl Frampton probably surprised more people than expected as far as just how he performed in the fight based on how he looked in his last fight against Quig. But I'm definitely looking forward to that fight. And to, wrap, to top off this little Showtime announcement, man, and I'll, I'll lend it to you guys, Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman, as right now, and I'm going to say penciled in because I want to give some respect to Sammy Vargas for November 11th because Danny's got a date. Um, you know, that I guess, you know, he's got to fulfill there. But this is the fight, I think, in the welterweight division that, has to, that had to be made. Uh, again, another unification fight, two undefeated fighters in their primes at welterweight, a legendary weight class where, you know, these kind of fights happen. 
before I got on the call, before we got on the call, uh, they were saying initially with Showtime, Steven Espinosa a few uh, like a few minutes ago, like I think Boxing Scene posted, uh, stating that they're gonna aim to put this on CBS, and I forgot that CBS and Showtime, or you know, or Showtime is you know the 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 little bro or the little the the son to you know to CBS, that's the parent company. And I was like, wow, you know what? That is a perfect – that's a perfect fight for primetime TV. Because all these fights that I just mentioned now, they're all Showtime. But that is a prime candidate for CBS. WBA, WBC unification fight at 147, man. Um, RD, let me, uh, let me get your initial thoughts. No prediction, but just your initial thoughts of the fight. Oh, well, I mean – I think if you look on the, you know, if you look on the internet and you look at comments, you'll see what the overall thought is of the public, you know. And what did uh, what did they sing uh, at the White House? What's that song? At last, when when the president gets like nominated, in, they sing that. I forget who's. Uh, Bo, you could probably help me out with this, or maybe you can, Roberto. What, what is it? Ella uh, Fitzgerald. She sings at last. Yep, <laughs> that old song, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, and I think that's that's what it is. A lot of these, you know, Danny naysayers are saying at last, and you know, it has showed me if Danny's alleged cherry picking is by design. Well, it is by design, but is it because of lack of skill or is it business? And I think that we'll find that out. Um. March 4th, but, you know, let it be told that if you read the comments, both of these guys are hated, you know, by the public for one reason or another. You know, Danny, for one portion, because a lot of people accuse him of alleged cherry-picking, and, you know, his dad is, you know, very, you know, outspoken. And uh, Keith Thurman, you know, he could be outspoken at times, you know, but, again, you know, people are not really sold on, on him either. So this is kind of like a fight, man, where a lot of people are going to be happy because one of these guys are going to lose. It's not like, you know, everybody likes both of these guys. They're overwhelmed with these guys with joy. You know, there are a lot of people that there's no even medium with this fight. There are just a lot of people that dislike both of these guys for their own particular reason. And it has nothing to really do with, the boxing end of it more so than it does with like the business and like the personal end of it, like the perception personal end of it, like, you know, how they carry themselves or, you know, allegedly, you know, how they're ducking opponents and all that stuff. But I think from a skill perspective, like I said, we'll see if Danny has been, you know, kind of ducking these fights because of lack of skill and, you know, because he's afraid to get in front of competition or if it's because, is a situation where he was, you know, getting, you know, doing business. It was business. So I'm interested to see this fight because of that. Word, word. But what about you, Bob? Listen, all of those fights you named, every last one of them, is why we love boxing. All of those fights you named, there's high-stake fights, there's titles on the line, there's the career-defining moments. All of these fights, the winner of these fights, can come out elevated. Their stock, their cachet, everything about them goes up. Okay, and to 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 uh, oh, 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 shout out by the way, you guys is 
Um, Coltrane, you guys had a show Thursday, and I missed it, but, you know, I, I got a chance to check it out. And, you know, good stuff, guys. Shout out to you guys for that one. But um, uh, think about this for a second. And, and what R.O.D. was saying, why both of these guys are hated. Well, Danny is hated because that's – Danny is, is trying to be – when Floyd Mayweather left the 147-pound division, there, there's, there's been a scramble to find a king. And the problem is when an old king leaves and a new king comes in, uh, he has a lot to live up to because of how, however good or whatever the old king did. And you're trying to find a star, a guy at 147 that everybody look at. Because say what you want to say, like people talk about Floyd and all these things, but at the end of the day, one thing and nobody can deny was he was very skillful and the man fought some top competitors. And you're seeing guys trying to crown themselves as the next big thing uh, in a 147-pound division without a defining fight. Well, here it is, Garcia versus Keith Thurman. Okay, a lot of it has to do with guilt by association because, like I said, Dan Raphael tweeted how Showtime is having this great card, and it was a little small sentence at the bottom of it that said associated with PVC. So, you know, it, 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 some of it's guilt by association, and like uh, you said, some of it is uh, personal driven because there are people that like Sean Porter. There are people that like Sammy Vasquez. But uh, all of these fights, every last one of these fights, these guys are young. These guys are hungry. Uh, these guys are trying to prove something. These guys are trying to let the world know, look, I am whoever I say I am and things of that nature. The most important fight of all this to me is that Adrian Broner and uh, uh, Granados fight because that fight, hey, listen, Adrian Granados is not a dude you want to come in here taking lightly. He's just not. Adrian Granados could be Broner's Maidana all over again. That's if he's what I not, was saying. Yep, if he's not careful. I mean, you know, he's just stopped the train on, on, on Uma, okay, and that's Granada. So he's not a guy that you want to get in there lightly. So this could be a career-defining moment for Adrian Broner because, you know, like you said, this is a guy who's been in there with some tough guys. He hasn't been blown away or blown out, all right? So to me, that this fight is important because this is where we'll see, we'll be able to gauge Adrian Broner as to where he is. But all of these fights, man, they have everything you want in boxing to have. Titles on the line, unification, undefeated guys, uh, you know, looking to, you know, come out of just being a good fighter to, hey, an A-lister. And that's what we have right now. And, uh, you know, thank you. know, And I'm just – this is great for boxing, and I hope all the other, you know, programs, HBO, Top Rank, all of them follow suit with stuff like this because this is what boxing needs. Boxing is craving to come out of the shadows of the dark, out of the shadows of the Mayweather, out of the shadows of the Pacquiao, boxing is trying to do that, and this is where it starts to me. Well, yeah, I mean, you make a good point with, with you know, with HBO hoping that they follow suit. I mean, this is, um, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, like, I've always considered, like you said earlier, like Showtime, like the little brother or, or what have you to, to HBO, but, um. I mean, look, like Showtime through the years, man, has put on legendary fights. I mean, we were just talking about uh, Castillo Corrales one that was on Showtime, and I remember watching that fight when it, when it was when I saw it live. Um, I th- I think with HBO, man, I mean, I think the Super Six was a Showtime fight. That too, yeah, that too. I mean, I mean, man, I mean, there's just like the Izzy Vasquez and 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 uh, Rafael Marquez trilogy that was on Showtime too. Um, I mean, there's Showtime's always had a lot of. I mean, that's the thing. They've always had good. They've always put on good fights. Steven Espinosa, for the most part, 
has done a good job with Showtime. You know what I mean? And I mean, he got around when Floyd, you know, made the, you know, when he made the the move over to Showtime. But with just this stock of fights, and and again, like the Broner fight's a good example of. There's no titles on the line, but uh, that could be a career changer, positively or negatively, for Broner because if he loses that fight, man, we might be. I mean. Some people may disagree with me, but we might have some people might start looking at him in a gatekeeper status. When you think about like, you, I mean, I mean, and no disrespect to Granados, but Broner should, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna put in caps, should beat somebody like Granados, who is tough, but we know we know Broner is capable of probably being a better overall fighter than we've seen. But, like you said, he's not the guy you want to come out half-assed with and, 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 and be very passive because he's going to bring the fight. You know, people don't, people don't look at Broner like they did at 130, 135 anymore, man. Like, a lot has happened <laughs> since those days. So, for, for, for Adrian Broner, man, there's a big opportunity for him to really showcase, like, look, man, I've, had, I've been battling my demons. Boom, here I go. But come and talk to me in a few months, and I'll let you know what I think might happen in that fight. But nevertheless, man, um, I'm very happy that you know, right. these well, were well, let me, you know, Before you go on, let me, let me say one more thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, uh, is that when we talk about having fair balance, when we talk about that Keith Thurman, Danny uh, Garcia fight, you know, I know a lot of people are annoyed. <clears throat> like I said, they have their own personal things, fans, that they want to see or they're not seeing enough of. And one of them, obviously, is, you know, a lot of people, like I said, are getting annoyed about Danny in, in that situation with the cherry picking. Um, a lot of people have gained respect for Keith Thurman, you know, for stepping up and fighting Porter. But, you know, the one thing I wanted to address, too, having fair balance, is that a lot of people are still not sold on this power hitting Keith Thurman. Like, you know, they're like, hey, when was the last time Keith Thurman had a real legitimate knockout? Similar to that whole thing, you know, people used to say about, you know, you know, Manny Pacquiao and his and over over the course of time, you know, when they were talking about when has he had a you know a knockout in in years? So there's a lot to be proved, you know, you know, or is Danny, you know, ducking fights because of, you know, because he wants to build a better resume, you know, or is he, you know, is he afraid of skill? And, and is Keith Thurman, you know, this powerful, hard-hitting dude that, you know, everybody's afraid of, you know? So there's a lot of things that are going to be proved and a lot of theories that are going to have holes poked in it the night that they meet March 4th. And a lot of people that may be proved to be geniuses as well. So, you know, stay tuned, get your popcorn ready. But, you know, I think they both have a lot to prove on both of their sides. I mean, I think for me, man, I mean, I, at least on paper, I mean, other, other, others, you know, may disagree, but I mean, I think that might crown the number one welterweight in the world as far as just like where they stand in, like, well, obviously one's going to be a unified champion. So, I mean, just off rip, they're going to be looked at as like the top guy, let alone who both of them, I mean, one O's got to go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good fight. You know what I mean? Like this is what we were asking for. There's still there's still 
like I said, in their primes. Neither has t- well. Danny hasn't taken. I don't want to say he's taken beatings, but like he's been in his share of fights already, man. Like you know, that Eric Morales fight, man, he didn't come out of there unscathed. You know, like yeah, he, he had to fight him again, and just like some other fights, he's been in, at least at one forty. Dan, we Danny's been in there. Whether we thought he won some fights or not, or he lost some fights, um, it's just like I think the mystique now. It's for both guys. This is what I think why the fight's interesting because there's vulnerabilities with both guys. You know, it's not like one guy is just this powerhouse that's indestructible. We saw Thurman get hurt with a body shot. We saw Thurman get rocked by Sotokaros. We saw him, um, you know, in tough fights with Porter. With you know, I mean, he, he pretty much dominated Guerrero. And then with Danny, kind of the same thing. Um, he beat Matisse, but man, what what round was it where Matisse landed that freaking monster left hook and Danny's mouthpiece went into like the fourth row, and and he's been in like he he's been in tough fights, and I think both guys show that they're a bit durable. I mean, Keith Thurman, I mean, he did take that body shot, um, didn't fall, but I I think it just it adds intrigue to the fight, you know. Like I think it's it's a situation where you can make cases. For both guys, I understand why people would like point fingers at Danny, where there's cherry picking, or, or maybe you know he might have lost a couple fights, and then like I just said with Thurman, he's, maybe he's a little vulnerable to the gut. You know, um, can he take Danny's left hook to the you know to the chin? We'll see. Um, I'm just glad it's happening, and I'm glad most of all we're not gonna pay to ha- we're not gonna have to pay to see it. So that's a bonus for us. <laughs> um, but speaking of fights that are actually taking place this weekend that you have to purchase to to watch, or so they say. Um, I completely forgot about this, but uh, we got Vasquez Jr. and Juan while fighting this weekend. <laughs> it is uh, Integrated Sports Media Live pay-per-view. Uh, it's on Dish, DirecTV. I don't even think the regular cable companies are carrying this, if I'm not mistaken. Um it's a thirty-dollar fight. It's you know two Puerto Ricans going at it. One month, I want to say, man, like should be his last fight with Fredo Vasquez Jr. Um, we've seen him in there, man. Like you know, we've seen him in there with, with, with top guys. He's just you know he's he's not as you know he, he he's um, a good fighter. You know, like I'll just leave it at that. But just yeah, that's taking place this weekend. Um, as far as any boxing that anybody wanted to watch. If you have other ways to watch fights as far as streaming and so forth, I'm pretty sure there'll be links out there. Uh, but that is taking place at a 129-pound catch weight. And, yeah, so I guess we'll see uh, these two Puerto Ricans going at it this weekend. And uh, beyond that, uh, there was an announcement today uh, as far as uh, concern, because I want to – I want to speak real quick on, you know, Ward, Ward Kovalev because, you know, November's reaching and, you know, that's just going to be like a huge fight uh, for the boxing fans. But some news broke today as far as uh, the undercard is concerned. And she did make some uh, – she, she made recent headlines. I'm trying to find the article here. Remind me. <laughs> Clarissa Shields. She's going to be making a pro debut. And I, I – forgot that she's actually a two-time gold medalist. Um, she won in uh, she won in 2012 and then obviously won in 2016. 
but she's making her she's making her pro debut. Uh, and I can't recall the last time I saw women's boxing on a pay per view or or even on a major card. I, I remember in like the late nineties, and I forgot what card it was, man. I know it was a pay-per-view, but I can't recall what it was. And I want to say it was a Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, it might have been a Tyson fight. But there was – I forgot. They, they had a couple – they had one woman's, uh, one woman, uh, woman's fight that took place there. But, like, very seldom do you ever see it, even if at all, man, like on any other telecast. But, you know, she's going to make a pro debut. And, um, I mean, I think it's great, man. Uh, I – I, I like to me, man. Like, all right, you guys used to watch Tuesday night fights, right? I mean, you guys were avid watchers of that, right? I mean, I was still like a junior. I mean, or, or excuse me, I was like a freshman in high school, or like you know, getting into high school watching it. And man, I used to see a lot of women's fights on there. I mean, you guys remember that? That's uh, that's back when you had um, Christy uh, Christy Martin. Yeah, she was, yeah, uh, yeah. She was yeah, really yeah. hot on the on 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 the Mike Tyson undercards, and it was it was a good thing because she would come knock people out, then Tyson would come knock people out. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I used to watch Tuesday night fights, Friday night fights, uh, you know, ESPN classics, and yeah, that's the women's boxing got hot when uh, Chrissy Martin was on there, and yeah, it was good then too. I mean, I I found about I found out about Ann Wolf back then. Like, like way back then, man, because, I mean, it, that, that was the thing, man. Like, you would just see, you would just see fights. Like, you wouldn't, like, they would just, um, you were never prepped, like, the week before or even going into, like, how we have it now or, like, with social media where, you know, we know what fights are coming up. Like, if we would just give, you know, we would just get these fights here and there. But, I mean, not, not to get off topic, but um, Ward Kovalev, uh I just want to talk real quick about this. Um, I'm not gonna, not like predictions or anything like that, but you know, this is obviously, in my opinion, the biggest fight of the fall. And and I think for most boxing fans, whether whether you think the fight's gonna play out a certain way, like I don't think that that really matters. I think the fact that um, we we had spoken earlier about the Showtime cards. And, you, and you, if you look at the majority of that card, it's prime versus prime fighters, man. Like, I mean, even just the title, I mean, the title fights alone. I mean, you got J-Rock and Charlo. I don't know how much more. And, and I'd even argue one, or two, one of those two guys might not even hit their, like, full peak yet. You know what I mean? And they're fighting. Franton Santa Cruz, that's another example. Mikey Garcia, I mean, well, yeah, that, that's another example, too. Um, and then, obviously, Danny and, and Thurman, prime for prime. These, again, Kovalev and Ward. Now, some people, some people will argue that Ward is not in his prime. And, like, I'd, I'd argue that um, – I'd argue for the case of Ward still being in, in, his, in his natural prime. You know what I mean? And I think for Kovalev and Ward, number one, we didn't have to wait two years for this fight. Like, we found out about, like, them even talking about this fight this time last year. I mean, you guys remember this? They were saying, well, you know, it, it started with Kathy Duva. Yeah, you know, we've had preliminary talks, blah, blah, blah. And even back then, we're thinking, like, ah, you know, we'll see. But look, man, you skip a year later, we got a showdown November 19th, man. So I think off rip, man, kudos to both guys. Kudos to main events. 
and Rock Nation for making it happen. But I got to say, man, with a month left, less than a month, I, I really – I really don't like the overall or I don't like the lack of promotion that has been going on for this fight. This is for, for, for the fact that if you want to push, particularly HBO, you know, who's been having their woes, um, if you want to push the envelope for, especially now with Showtime, <laughs> put, you know, putting out their, their lineup, um, this is the biggest fight you have in, in the fall of 2016, man. And I think between HBO, Rock Nation, main events, like, I personally, and maybe you guys would differ from me, but I just, I haven't seen the red carpet rolled out for this fight. I, I get that these guys aren't as polarizing figures as a Floyd Mayweather or a Manny Pacquiao or whomever, but at the same time, man, I mean... You got two of the best bo- two of the best fighters in boxing, both within the top five pound for pound rankings, both undefeated. One hasn't lost since he was twelve and, and is a was a unified super middleweight champion. The other guy, one of the most devastating punches in boxing, unified light heavyweight champion. How like how are they not rolling the red carpet out for this fight? I mean, I'll leave it to you guys as far as like what you think. I mean, what do you guys think overall as far as just, like, the lead-up to this fight? Well, listen, HBO has had a tough year. That's, that's no, no, no question about it. I mean, think about it. They couldn't even pay Curtis Stevens to fight yeah. David Lemieux. They couldn't come up with the right. money for Curtis. Kurt, like, think about, just think about what I'm saying. Curtis Stevens. This isn't the guy that's asking for tall bread here. Okay. Right. But um, you know, listen. They, uh, I think that pro- promotions uh, for a lot of fights, period, this year uh, have not been the, the best, unless it's a, a situation because, like, like Golden Boy was able to, to highly promote um, Canelo and Khan. Uh, K two was able to successfully and highly promote. Uh, 3G and Kell Brooks. Uh, I think this is a fight that's not getting a lot of attention because it's it's a fight, although it's a good fight, two guys in a crime, uh, one guy being a devastating puncher and Andre Ward being the type of fighter he is, but it's a fight where there is no guarantee. Like, when you think about Canelo and Khan, when you think about 3G and Brooks, you knew one thing, that fight was going to end in knockout. Well, there's no guarantee that's going to happen here. Right. And I think that's what it is with most of the fans as far as the build-up and people be interested in watching it. Because a fight like this, you really shouldn't even have to do a lot of promoting. It should promote itself because, like, these, all, the, all the reasons why you said it, two guys, young, undefeated, former American gold medalist, a guy who can punch and, and, and has fought a Hall of Fame in Bernard Hopkins, right? One, one of the most feared punchers in all of boxing. So, it, but it's still a fight that you, there is no certainty that it's going to end the way that everybody would like these fights to end, which is by knockout. Because mm-hmm. reason by is we know Andre Ward's ring IQ is off the charts. The only other person with a high-level ring IQ than Andre Ward is Floyd Mayweather, okay? And Kovalev is a puncher, but we've seen Andre Ward negate that. Arthur Abrams, Carl Frotch, we've seen him negate those things. So, you know, it's, it's not a fight that, that, in my opinion, people are talking about because, you know, when you hear people talking, they say, 
you know, I, I can't wait to see Kobe Love land that right hand and knock him out. I can't wait, or I hope. That's what they're saying. They're not saying, oh, man, for certain he's going to hurt him. No, that's, that's not what they're saying. So I think that's part of the reason why, of course, also money is part of the reason why. And, um, you know, and then even, you know, Rock Nation, Rock Nation and Kathy Duva themselves haven't, you know, I, I put some of the blame on them. Themselves they haven't mm-hmm. been ex- exceptionally uh, expedient as far as trying to get it out there, you know. So uh, the most advertising for this fight has been on social media. Thank God for that. But it's it's probably, like you said to me, it was the best fight ever since it was announced. And mm-hmm. one thing that I want to point out, because this is something everybody forgets, when Andre Ward signed that three-fight contract at HBO, they were specific that the third and last fight had to be Kovalov. So they knew they were building up to this fight because this was yeah. going to be their biggest fight. Um, the biggest question for me is, where does the winner go? Because if it's Ward, he may be eyeing Adonis Stevens. Okay, and if it's Kovalov, what happens next? Because he's exclusively on HBO. So what happens? So that's to me should be a reason why people should watch this fight because the next step could be the most crucial step as far as the light heavyweight division. It's it's interesting you make you you bring that up too because I was I was talking to somebody about that today as far as um, the immediate future for both because when you look at that division, uh, you know Adonis Stevenson. I mean. He's he's it's funny he's been around for a while already and he he's he's reaching like 39 years old but it's almost like being the fact that this Ward Kovalev fight is happening it's like people are almost in a sense ignoring the fact that Stevenson not only is the WBC champion but is like a the other like uh, you know he he's the the other piece of the puzzle here that. People even talk about Better Beef fighting Kovalev before even that happens, you know, which that could be another situation too, depending, you know, or, or as far as, with, you know, Andre Ward is concerned. Um, I, I think too, I mean, I think a lot of, um, I think a, lo- a lot of it is really obviously going to depend on what happens in the fight, but I think we, we, we were talking earlier as it relates to Andre Ward where uh, me and Coltrane and, R- and R.O.D. were speaking, like, we're, we're like the only thing I'm, I'm a little concerned with with Andre Ward, and it's I'm already starting to kind of see it in the, in the message boards and starting to see people already kind of bringing up excuses in the case where Andre Ward wins, like, a dominant fight, where you're going to hear, oh, you know, he didn't knock him out, and oh, you know, he, he put on he put on a bad show, so forth and so forth. Even in the can case I, can where I say something, can I say something, please? Can I say something? I've I, I listened to you guys, and it's a shame, man, that, that boxing has gotten this way because we've we've become very spoiled and, and, and fickle-minded fans, man, and it's unfortunate because they did the same thing with Bernard Hopkins. You know, when he fought Trinidad, you know, everybody was rooting for Trinidad. Everybody wanted Trinidad to win. Bernard was such a boring fighter. And Bernard wound up picking Trinidad apart, you know, a way that a boxer is supposed to, not looking for a knockout. It's not the way boxing goes. Boxing was based on a gentleman's sport. It was a science behind it. It was based off a jab and movement. It was based off a hit and not hit. When did we get to the point where a fighter becomes unpopular because of the fact that he displays, he's a throwback fighter, he displays his sweet science. 
you know, back in the day, the knockouts only happened in the heavyweight division for the most part. You had one or two cats that was knocking people out, and eventually because they weren't really that good, you know, skill-wise, they wound up getting knocked out themselves. Sugar Leonard didn't have knockouts every fight. Tommy Hearns, although he was a, a, a knockout type of dude, he was getting knocked out some of his fights. Some fights he didn't have no business getting knocked out in. You know, when he when he fought tall and fought like Emmanuel Stewart, one of them two, he survived a lot of his fights. So my point is, is that, you know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that we've gotten to the point where, you know, we're talking about why this, this fight, you know, or why Andre Ward isn't marketable because of his style and things of that caliber when, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at what boxing was based on, you know, you go back in history, you'll see that a lot of the, like a lot of our our roots were based on people having a science behind boxing. Now people can say now, hey, you know what? I don't really like that science, and that's fine. We see it with Floyd Mayweather. That's your cup of tea, but necessarily it doesn't mean that Andre Ward is any less of a fighter. And I think if people will sit down and actually peel back, you know, the layers of the onion, I'm always saying it every week and actually watch a fight, they'll say, you know what, this guy is, is pretty much good. It has nothing with him being old or not in his prime. The guy's in his prime. The guy's in his prime. He's in his prime mentally. He has faculties. He's just is he's just a he's just a fighter. If you were to compare him to a college basketball player, he did a prep year. And his prep year was because of promotional issues. It had nothing to do with an injury. It was it was because of what happened with Dan Goosen, you know, uh, or the Goosen brother, God rest his soul, and um, it it had you know it had to do with you know shoulder injuries. But it doesn't make him you know it doesn't make him any less of a fighter you know at all, and it doesn't make this fight any less attractive at all. You know, I think that you know what makes the what makes this fight less attractive, you know, is you know who we are as fans. You know, I think that. Boxing, you know, while we're here, I think that boxing is one of those things that, you know, if you don't have a household name, this fight doesn't become a fan-pleasing fight. Like the Gonzalez uh, fight that, that just happened, to us, that was a great fight. That fight should have been on pay-per-view, but no one's going to buy it because those two guys are not are not household names, you know. And I think that, you know, we've brought, you know, as fans, we're the type of people that, you know, we gravitate towards people throwing stuff on screens and saying, okay, hey, watch this. You know, don't breathe. All right, I'll show you a thousand trailers. What do you do? As a result, you go out and you go watch it. You know, you don't you don't you don't review it, you don't kinda see, hey, what the movie is about. You just look at the trailer and say, Oh, I want to see it. You just get a quick glimpse. Same thing with Kovalov. You look at he knocked a couple people out. Forget about who he knocked out. You know, it could have been the lady next door. You're like, oh, I want to see it. This guy is hard. You know, these are how fans are today, man. They don't sit back and look at the science behind the sport. And it's a shame, man, because, you know, they're going to miss a very, very good fight regardless mm-hmm. of the outcome. They're going to miss a very, very good fight. And this is the same vibe I got with that Trinidad and Bernard situation. It was the same thing. You know, if anybody remembers, it was the same exact Thing. And I think that we probably, it, you know, we're we're focusing on the wrong thing if we're talking about, you know, as as fans, if we're talking about, 
you know, if he has a fame-pleasing style or is he getting old or, you know, you know, the boxing was, was never based off of that. It, it just wasn't. That's kind of like the mixed martial arts mentality. You know, boxing was always based off of a gentleman's sport, a guy, you know, throwing his style up that he felt was the best style to win, and another guy trying to figure out how to beat that puzzle. That's how boxing was done. You came in with your style. I did my tape work. I did my work. I brought in my partners, and we tried to figure out that style. Sort of like what Ray Leonard, and I'll shut up at this, sort of like what Ray Leonard did with Hagler. You know what I mean? Everybody destroyed Ray Leonard, say he ran, he did this, and I hated Ray Leonard. I love Marvin Hagler. But Ray Leonard did his homework. He said, hey, you know what? In order for me to beat this guy, it is not going to be a knockout fight. Everybody thought it was going to be a knockout. Now, what saved that fight was it was two names, but what he did was he stole the fight the last 30 seconds. Now, if you were to go watch that fight on DVD right now or if a casual were to watch it, they would say, that was a terrible fight. There was no knockouts. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got knocked down. He ran the last 30 seconds. But he used his – he figured out how to beat that puzzle. And I think that if people were to sit back and watch boxing based off of the signs it was based off of, they wouldn't say that, you know, Andre Ward is old or that this fight is not going to be good. The only reason this fight is not getting – the publicity is getting is because, you know, most people, it's because of what where boxing is right now. It has nothing to do with the two combats. Actually, they're going to miss a, a great fight. Let me just, you know what, let me add one thing in there. I'll make it quick. The reason why, to your point, R.O.D., is the when we watched boxing even back then, we were looking at the skill set of the fighters. People aren't looking at the fighter's skill sets anymore, you know, and that's, that's the biggest difference. When you, when you look at the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, when people watch these fights, they realize they were looking at the skill set and what that skill set brought and what that skill set meant. Well, today's fans don't care about a skill set anymore. They care about one thing and one thing only, the knockout of destruction. When the Mike Tyson era came in, that's all everybody cared about was, you know, is he going to knock the guy out? So it no longer became about the skill set. It only became about the knockout. No, I think, I think that, and, and I think that those people that you named, they're not fans. They are acquaintances. You know, those are the people that are what we call casual. Those are the people. This, this boxing community is very, very small, and, and it's the people. Like, for instance, I had somebody say today that Winky Wright was, was born. And I'm like, really? Like, maybe because one of your favorite fighters couldn't beat him, but he wasn't born by no stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I felt I, when I saw Winky, Winky was always pressing the action. When he saw him fight Shane Mosley, he did a, he did a great job. So for me, that's an ir- for people to say those types of statements just shows me where their longevity is in boxing. These are people that tuned in, like you said, playing Mike Tyson punch out. Everything was a knockout. Playing Ring King, they probably upped their skill up to twelve on a power punch, and you know everything was a knockout to them. When boxing necessarily isn't like that, I'm telling you. If you were to go watch 10 fights, I would venture to say, if it was competitive, I would venture to say that, that probably less of them end in knockouts and more of them end in decisions. You know, but 
we 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 live in this fast food society where we can't sit down and watch something for a very long time. It has to happen automatically. So, to your point, Bo, yeah, there are fans. There are more fans like that out there today that are like that, but they're not fans to me because they don't understand. They call it the sweet science. It has nothing to do with. All right, I'm gonna come in here like a bull in a china shop and, and wipe you out. If that's your style, so be it. But if it's a situation where my style is different and my style is based on throwing a, is predicated on a jab, footwork, and twisting and turning you, I'm not born. It's up to you to figure out that puzzle to beat me. And if you're not good enough to beat me to figure out that puzzle, then I hate to say that that's just too bad for you. You know, I'm in the ring, so I can't be too many places. I'm not running in the stands. I'm not doing this. You know, it's a ring. Cut me off and figure out a way to beat me. So I really think that, you know, those people that we talk about, these people that watch Mike Tyson and all this other stuff, those are the people to me that kind of ruin boxing as well, you know, because they're trying to morph it into something different. You know, now, you know, those are going to be the same cats that when there's a draw, they're going to ask for an additional round and ask for those guys to fight that one round you know, after they announce the draw. Like, they're going to try to change boxing for what it, you know, for what it used to, you know, for what it used to be. And um, like I said, you know, just like if you want to find out, you know, why things work, all you got to do is go back to its origin and you'll be able to say, okay, wow, this is how it works. But if you start opening a book mid-chapter or mid mid-book, you're never going to find out what the gist of the book is about. And I think that's the problem with boxing. People have came in in this Mike Tyson era, which is cool, but then when Mike Tyson stopped having all these knockouts, started getting knocked out himself because he stopped going away from the sweet science, it was a lot of people leaving like, Dag, i got to find another knockout guy now. It's just a shame, man, but, you know, that's not what our sport was founded on. And it's a shame for people like Andre Ward who have gone through, wiped through the Super 6, you know, wiped through, you know, done great things, representing our country, getting a gold medal. Now, all of a sudden, he, he's old. He doesn't have a fan-friendly style. You know, when really all it turned out to be was he had promotional problems and a shoulder injury. Nothing more, nothing less. And him and Koval are going to put on a great show. And you know, if these guys would really give boxing a chance, sit down and just watch it, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll actually they'll actually say, you know what? Because no one's getting knocked out in their fight. But if it if it does, you know, if it does, they'll sit down and say, you know what? This is a great contrast of styles. It really, that's what it is. It's a great contrast of styles, you know? So I think that... Those people right there with their expectations, they won't they won't box and they need to they need to tune in to mixed martial arts. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean you, you made the correlation with the 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 B hop and, and Trinidad fight and that's why I was drawing the comparison like as far as how Andre Ward is viewed as, you know, because when you look at what what transpired after that Trinidad fight for B hop and like, and we, you know, we were talking about it today. Um, you know, Trinidad going to that fight, even for non-Latinos, like people were fans of Trinidad, man. And Trinidad not only got outboxed, but he got knocked out in that fight in the end, you know, in the twelfth round. But 
and, and this is something I hope that doesn't happen to Ward, but you figure, man, like, B-Hop didn't get another big fight to what, like another three years later, another four years later where he fought De La Hoya uh, in, in, in a big fight. But that's the thing with, with, that concerns me with Ward. I mean, you made major points because Ward's a guy that I look at and, and I see what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? But most, it, it's, it's like I've had to talk to people about like fighters like whether it's Andre Ward or Winky Wright or some others, were, more, were like the casual fan or even the fan that like really likes boxing and they don't like that style. Like you have to like sit and tell them like, yo man, like you're not looking at what he just did there. You're not looking at what he just did there. From my point, from my standpoint, I mean, it's difficult to do that with other people, like to, to try to show them, you know, that's why I kind of just, if you're a fan of the sport, man, enjoy what we have, what we're being given. My hope, in the case where Ward does win this fight, man, like, I hope he becomes, um, to me, I mean, we talked about, I think we talked about it, you know, there's argument about the pound for pound list, whether or not the winner of that fight should be, to me, if Ward beats Kovalev, he should be pound for pound number one. No doubt about it, even if... Unless you already have him there already. You know, like, Ward not only fighting Kovalev, but he hasn't fought a top 10 light heavyweight. So for him to go and beat Kovalev, that, that's like, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. You know, but, like, I, 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 I want to kind of save some of this for the next, for, for like, the actual preview show, because I know Coltrane's going to get on as well, and, you know, that's going to be a whole other show, boy. Hey, um, I'm, on, Ward, I'm on right now. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, listen. I didn't know you listen, were coming on. <laughs> yeah, I just I just wanted to pop my head in real quick, man. You know, um, uh, first of all, it's a celebra- celebratory day for boxing with the fight that was announced with War- uh, Thurman and uh, uh, Danny. That's a huge win for our sport and a yeah. product that we're trying to sell on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So it was a big win for the sport. But um, <laughs> real quick, I just wanted to get my two cents, and I'll let y'all be, man, about – what we kind of talked about earlier, and that's the light heavyweight division in itself. One of the problems that that both fighters are facing as far as recognition outside of this fight, what I call being a fight fan fight. Like, this is a this is a fight fan fight. Like, right. This is a fight where we really care about, and the outside looking in is just like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Cool story, basically. We all know what war brings to the table. The people in our community know what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. There are also people in our community that thinks Triple G is the best pound-for-pound fighter, which is a whole right. other show we'll get into a whole other time. We all know that's not the, tr- the case being. The problem is with light heavyweight, and this has been a problem for quite some time, it's almost like a foreign country, basically. And what I mean by that is, is basically – it's not known to a lot, you know, because there's not a lot of American fighters in a light heavyweight division. You know, it's been a while since you had, uh, you know, since probably the Roy Jones days and, you know, uh, in the 80s, you know, uh, Dwight Kawhi, uh, Saad Muhammad, you know, back in those days when you had a lot of recognizable American light heavyweights. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as a recent, you know, you had Bernard move up. You know, Bernard was pretty much the bigger, was the biggest name. Then you had, like, the whole Canada hotbed with the light heavyweights and basically a lot of people from across the pond, you know, and abroad. That was light heavyweights. Even Kovalov. Kovalov is not that recognized. He's not, he's not Triple G. 
Like he doesn't really have a he doesn't have the background, and he's a better fighter than Triple G. But yet, because it's the light heavyweight division, it's it's not promoted like a, the middleweight division is. I mean, boxing's kind of been like that, mainly with the super middleweight. Super middleweight was always like a foreign division, and then you know uh, it got hot, you know, in the uh, early the mid two thousands, you know, uh, with with Ward coming into the fold and. And you had the guys from across the pond, and Ward beat all those guys up, so it was like a story to be told kind of there. You don't really have that with the light heavyweight division. you got one guy Ward is really chasing. I don't know if it was Bo that said it earlier. If Ward beats Kovalov or vice versa, what's really next after this? Like, this is kind of – it's a gift and a curse what happens here because they whoever wins this fight, like, okay, Adonis Stevenson, I, I don't think there's a person on his phone that thinks Stevenson stands a shot at either fight. And so it's like unless something comes down the pike that we don't know about that maybe materializing, I just think that the vision as a whole is just foreign to so many people. We as boxing fans are very familiar with the names and the participants. But most of these guys, a lot of people just never heard of because they just don't showcase light heavyweight fights like that on any of the networks. So I think you got that problem mixed in also with Ward temperament and his personality, which is a shame because I think people are missing a great thing here, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse because you guys painted it eloquently about Ward's fight game. We already know what he brings to the table. So I just wanted to throw my two cents in there about that, about the light heavyweight division as a whole. Hey, you know what? And I'm looking at this, and in the, in the follow what you just said, I'm looking at this page right now that says it's, it's boxing. Shout out to boxing. Uh, I guess it's Rukus, but it's really put Rukus, Rukus. And it's funny because it has this thing, you know, white letters, uh, black background. It says, you don't know S about boxing, but all the boxers in it. And it says, let's try to learn the sport before we give our opinions. Yes, I'm referring to opinions because sometimes we think they're facts, when in reality it's opinions. And, and that's when we talk about who these pound-for-pound fighters are, you know, and – you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, about, the, about, like, different things with these fans and all this stuff because, again, if you, like I said before, when you want to know about something, you go back to its origin. You don't pick up in the middle of a book and just call it bad or it's the worst when you don't really know the history of it. So I would, I would challenge people, tons of tape out there, you know, let's, let's give these guys these, these credits. A style is a style. You know, and most of the time, some it's, what happens to some people is not their style. It's more yeah. or less promotional that, that really ruins things, and that's this situation here. You see, you still there, Coltrane? Or? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with the, the problem is, man, you know, I heard both say this, right, and and I'll just make a quick analogy about when people, when a boxer faces a guy that a lot of people are expecting to do damage based on power. And I always like to compare it to the weather. Like we, in Philly today, the high was supposed to be 60, but we only got 40. So you can sit around and expect things to happen that you think that's going to happen in series, but they never pan out to happen. And we can go through the history, and you guys brought up examples of power guys, and I'm going to give Kovalev his props. He's not just some knockout artist. You know, he's a good range, rangy fighter. We'll get into the whole breakdown. But I'm just saying just to fight on the surface. When I hear what is and not what's on the surface, 
then that pretty much is self-explanatory for me because most of the time when we wait for things to happen, it's funny because I remember when Diego Corrales for Floyd, you know, it was pre-internet days, so you didn't have a lot of people's opinions like you do now. And people were worried about Floyd in that fight. A bunch of what ifs. What if he yeah. you know you remember around that time Diego yep. Corral was just trashing people like like three round fight when he was riding yeah. the army fatigue you remember with the ball head yep. and he was just running through people and I remember people saying like ah this fight's a little too early for Floyd like you know maybe he needs to fight some more people but people that understood and knew this and you know respected the skill of the science was like you know Floyd can outbox him he comes straight forward all he got to do is give him angles now it's a little bit more than just simple as that but there's so many examples, and I think Bernard and Trinidad, it's like it's funny because it was actually in reverse of what's happening now. You had the fighter moving up. This time right, you got yeah. the boxer that's moving up. So, you know, I mean, but we'll get a chance to break it down. You know, I'm going to let y'all go ahead. I just I just want to throw my two cents. As far as the Triple G thing go, man, that's a, you got to remember, like, HBO's behind Triple G. Like, they created him. They helped create the, the mystique and the monster of Triple G. Like, he's their, he's their corporate horse, so to speak. Kovalov, they're not behind them because the division just it just don't have the sizzle. There's it's just that's how it is. Like the middleweight belt is probably the second most prestigious belt next to the light heavyweight belt. So welterweight in there somewhere. Those are like the three most prestigious belts in the history of boxing. You know, so the light heavyweight boxing is like belt was kind of like on the back burner. It was a division where like kind of people moved up and they, you know they couldn't make middleweight anymore. Like the second cousin kind of kind of uh, division, so to speak. And if you ever if you moved up from heavyweight from there, you know, it was kind of that was that's what the light heavyweight was. So you got that you got you got to factor that in there, the whole light heavyweight thing. It's always been like a distant cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just, just how it's been. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, needless to say, man, uh, we're less than a month away. <laughs> and that, that those big, yeah, I mean, we have plenty of time to get in this, man. Do, do, but go do, ahead, man. I'll I'll be yeah. back Thursday. I just wanted to call. I'm in a great mood, man. The greatest news of the day was Thurman and and, and Garcia. We'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, y'all go sir, ahead, yeah, y'all, y'all appreciate you calling in, man. No doubt, man. Hold it down, my dude. Peace. Word up, word up. That is Coltrane, and if you can catch him Thursday nights as well at 9 p.m. right here on Talk Show. Um, so yeah, man. Let, I'm gonna throw it over to Rod, man. We hit that that point of the night, man. You already know what's popping. Our what if segment. We got a little interesting one today. We mentioned one of the participants earlier, and um, take it away, Rod. Hey, cool. So thank you, everybody. Um, it's funny we had gotten to this. And shout out to Roberto, who actually, uh, you know, put his John Hancock on this fight. Um, and really, it turned into similar a similar situation. Um, with this, with kind of like, um, you know, the Andre Wars and the Bernard Hopkins of the world, you know, and there's a situation where we went to 140 and we looked at one Oscar de la Hoya, you know, moving up, being a golden boy, being successful. One of the things we, we had talked about in previous weeks was that Oscar was one of these guys who was successful. He was, he was bound for greatness. You know, heck, even though a lot of us thought that he lost that Purnell fight, they were going to make sure he won that fight because they wanted him to be great. But when you think about it, he never ducked a fight either. You know, he was just always one of these guys that wanted to be the best. Now, 
as 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 he moves up the weight, uh, we have one fifty four. We have another gentleman who, on one end of the the, the spectrum, <clears throat> was always avoided, and um, he was avoided because he was all wrong for people in terms of his style. It, it, it's funny to me, man. It just seems like, and, and I'll say this as a side note, that you know, some of the avoided fighters, it always seems like. You know, Shane Mosley just takes a crack at him. <laughs> He's the one that says, okay, you know, give me a crack at him. You know, anybody who doesn't want to fight this guy, Shane is like, you know what, I'll take a crack at him. Shout out to Shane Mosley. And, uh, you know, that really put his stock on the map after, you know, he had beat Shane uh, twice. And that's one Ronald Winky Wright. Um, a lot of people, you know, there was, okay, so let me go back even further. There was a point in time where Ronald Winky, Winky Wright was supposed to fight Oscar De La Hoya. But for some reason, however you view the situation, it had to do with money. And they didn't, you know, have a fight date. There was also talks where Floyd was supposed to fight Ronald Winky Wright at one point in time. And that didn't happen either. There was a point in time where a lot of people were supposed to fight Ronald Winky Wright. At 154, which is a dominant weight, not at middleweight, 154, and a lot of people didn't fight him because his style was just all wrong for people. You know, he had he had a turtle shell defense. You know, he he had you know pretty a pretty good jab, pretty good footwork. Um, just you know, pretty compact. He was just really wrong for a lot of people. So with that being said, when Roberto and I put these matchups, it was just really let's put Oscar up, who was very competitive at 154. You know, he wasn't a you know he wasn't really a a great middleweight, and let's put him against one Ronald Winky Wright, and uh, you know, let's see what happens. You know, you got two fundamental fighters. One is predominantly a left-handed fighter. They, they're kind of both kind of converted southpaws, if if you will. Like, you know, it's funny because Oscar fights with his lead hand, his power hand is his lead hand, and that's that's what's so crazy. And I think Winky Wright is the same way. Um. You know, his 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 left hand, they're both, you know, his left hand is his lead hand as well, and he uses that to jab. That's really his his power hand, I, you know, and I think they're the same way. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw it to Roberto, and you tell me what you would think. 154, 12 rounds, Oscar versus Winky Wright. Roberto. Sorry, but yeah, I had, I had it uh I think this is one of those fights, man. Like, we never got this fight. This was a fight that uh, – or, or this is two group, two guys that were fighting around the same time with within the same weight class fought some of the same guys. Uh, Winky fought Fernando Vargas uh, before before Oscar did. Um, he fought, uh, you know, Tito Trinidad and – it was like one of those fights. Like I think, yeah, I think it did have to do with money or somewhat. But this was an interesting fight, man. And, and I remember we were, we we're putting it together, and I started. I was really thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I know naturally people would say Winky. I mean, I think Winky for anybody was a difficult fight, man. I mean, even for Bernard. I mean, that wasn't an easy, not necessarily easy fight. Even though Winky himself had moved up, but. He was a difficult fight for anybody, man. Uh, he had that, that like that turtle shell, like that, like where it was hard to get around. Um, 
and he would invite it, man. And, and he, he had a authoritative jab. He he had very a busy a busy fighter for a guy that was classified as like a strict boxer, you know. And De La Hoya at one fifty four, man. Granted, wasn't the Oscar from one forty seven, and you know he had already kind of um, even like it's weird, man. Like Oscar had a career like. You know, obviously after after middleweight, I mean, I'm sorry, after welterweight, but even at junior middleweight, we started to see the early, early, early stages of promoter Oscar. You know, and he, I mean, he was still fighting, but like that was like the the early stages of him becoming like a quasi fighter promoter, so forth. Uh, but I think at 154, man, he still had enough power in that in that left hand that. Um, I think it would be trouble for anybody if, you know, it landed. I think boxing, like, skill-wise, man, I mean, even in relation to Tito and Fernando, like, I think out of those three, he's, pro- he's probably the better boxer of all those guys. And, and that's no disrespect to any of them. I mean, that's just, you know, me looking at all those guys and what they bring to the table skill-wise. Um, Oscar also even for being a welterweight, wasn't a sm- – I mean, he was a big welterweight, like kind of like Tito, like 5'10", uh, you know, a strong 147. Um, Oscar at 154, like I think he carried that up. You know what I mean? I, don't, I mean, he didn't fight guys like Ike Corte or, 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 or Trinidad like at 154 outside of, you know, him fighting Fernando Vargas when he fought him. Um, yeah, man, this is an interesting fight. Um, the way I see it playing out, man, I mean, look, I think Oscar would have a tough time getting past Winky's defense initially. Um, Oscar's a little clever, though, man. Uh, I, I, I think sometimes he doesn't get credit for some of the traps like he used to set, you know, that would open up that left hook, you know. And for Winky, man, I think Oscar would have to be busy in that fight I think Winky, same thing, man. Like, apply the jab, um, make Oscar think in there, you know, like, and, and second guess himself. And, like, he had that ability to do that, man. And you saw it in fights that he had, like, with Shane Mosley and, and, and people that you saw going in, like, yeah, but Winky, you know, he doesn't do enough. And then when you really sit, and, and, and to bring back what we were talking about initially, where some people don't see little nuances of things that fighters do, man. Um, I think, you know, I look at the Oscar fight with Vargas because that's probably the most competitive fight he had there. Took some shots from Vargas. Um, I think sometimes we forget how tough Oscar was, though, man. And I think I always go back to the Corte fight. To me, that made me a fan of Oscar. Like, of, of any fight, that was the one. Because it, it showed me that this guy was not... Um, I mean, I don't even, don't even, like, talk about the Pacquiao fight. I mean, we're talking about Prime Oscar. Like, this guy was not going to quit, man. And, again, we could talk about the Trinidad fight and so forth, but, I mean, he was lighting Trinidad ass up. And I still think he won that fight, man, if you, if you base it on the scorecard. That being said, I, I think Winky would pull this fight out, and, and it'll be a razor, razor close fight. Some people would even argue that this fight – might be a situation where Winky gets robbed, but I have a feeling Winky's defense would be a bit frustrating for Oscar, 
Oscar's kind of a fight. Though he's a good boxer, he invites the trade-off because he wants to throw that left hook, you know, and, and, and we've seen that happen time and time again. I think he'll have a tough time actually landing the left hook clean on Winky because Winky's not going to sit there and get in exchanges with you. And I think it's, it, the further the fight goes, I think Winky's going to frustrate Oscar to the point where he's going to make mistakes and Winky's going to win. He's going to win these little swing rounds, but I think I think Oscar would have several moments in the fight where you may come out and like, man, I don't know who won that round. But from my viewpoint, I think Winky would win a like a split decision in a fight that I wouldn't be shocked if he got robbed in. So from my viewpoint, if I'm watching the fight, not caring where the judges scored it. I'm going to go with Winky Wright split decision. Okay, okay, okay. And, and that's a great synopsis because, again, you know, he was one of these guys that had to fight overseas, man, before, you know, he got an opportunity and, um, you know, had a competitive fight with Fernando Vargas. Shout out to him. And, uh, you know, couldn't really quite get on at an earlier in an earlier segment in his career, so you put up some very good points. Um, Bo, what, what, were your th- what are your thoughts in this weather segment? Man, this was a, I was actually, this was one that I was actually happy to see um, because there's always been this thing, I don't know if you guys remember, people y'all used to always talk about the Winky Wright School of Business. <laughs> And <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a reference to uh, his business tactics. But uh, I remember when he was picked to fight Floyd. I'll never forget this when Floyd was showing interest in fight Winky Wright. And I'll never forget what Emmanuel Stewart said. He said, you know, that was not a serious, um, that wasn't a serious uh, uh, um, inquiry. It's something they just did to say that, you know, hey, we issued something. And I remember when he said that. And I thought to myself, he's 100% correct <laughs> because nobody was in a rush to get in there with uh, Ronald Winky Wright. You know, nobody. I mean, when you think about the guys that he was in there with, you know what I'm saying? He was in there with Bronco McGirt. You know, this was a guy who was in there, like you said, Mosley, Trinidad, uh, Taylor, Ike Cortez. And he was not the easiest opponent that you wanted to see. Yeah, Ronald White had to start out as a sparring partner because he just had a style that was even hard back then in them days for people to want to take a chance on and try to promote. So um, when you look at this fight, you look at Ronald Rinky White. Now, here's the thing that I want everybody to understand. Ronald Rinky White had a chin. Ronald Rinky White was not a bum. And for whoever want to say that, oh, well, Winky Wright wasn't exciting, you know, obviously you didn't see the Trinidad fight. Obviously you didn't see the Mosby fight or the I Corte fight. You know, obviously, you know, you didn't see the, uh, you know, Bronco, um, um, you know, McGirt and, and, and uh, Cadello fights. Listen, Ronald Ricky White, um, he had a style that he could switch offense to defense right away. Or – he could go in the offense. When he let his hands go, he was very fluid. He was a pocket fighter that could fight in the pocket and move out of the way. He pivoted very well. Um, the biggest problem with, with, with uh, Ronald Mickey White was 
there were times during the fight where he was solely just he would be more defensive minded than offensive minded, so it would look like the other guy was doing a lot more than him. And you know that was some of the things that kind of haunted him a little bit in you know in his career. But he was he was such an odd dude to figure out when you was in that ring fighting him because you, you he had these abilities he had these gifts like he was very good at whatever it was he was good at doing he was very good at you know taking that down and I, I remember when he was posing for Felix Trinidad I'll never forget this in an interview he said this he said man I told everybody where the fight was now this is an easy fight for me. This is an easy fight for me. And he went out and made it just that, an easy fight. <laughs> so, you know, he was, just, he, he was one of them dudes that was all wrong for anybody. Oscar De La Hoya at 154, okay? And, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, people say that, you know, Oscar really went out. I, I, I can't say he, you know, he, he fought the guys that was worth fighting back then at that time because I, I remember I wanted him to fight Jose um Jose Luis Lopez and uh for some reason, you know, that didn't come about at that time. But he did fight the guys that was worth fighting at that time. And that would have been a fight to see him fight. But the problem with Oscar at one fifty four was he was not the mover. He was not the um Oscar at one fifty four wouldn't let his jab go like the Oscar at one forty seven. 147, Oscar's key punch that set everything up for him was his jab. He had probably one of the best jabs in boxing at that time. It was very powerful, it was very strong, and it stood you up. When he fought Floyd Mayweather, he was popping that jab, he was winning. That's when he was winning. When he wasn't letting that jab go, that's when Floyd was taking over. Okay? Um, but I, uh, Oscar De La Hoya 154 didn't let the jab go. Um, he was still a hard cat to get out there. I think a lot of people forget uh, they underrate Oscar De La Hoya's mind. The boy had an excellent mind as a boxer. I'm sorry. He, he had an excellent mind as a boxer. Oscar De La Hoya could, ad- could adjust and adapt very, very quickly in that ring. Okay. Um, he, was, he didn't have the fastest hand or the fastest of feet, but he, was, he knew how to put himself in a position to win. But 154 Oscar wasn't the same 147 Oscar. Um, his defense slowed down a tad bit. Like I said, he didn't always let his hands go with the jab. Um, another thing with Oscar at 154 was um, he didn't seem to be able to get in and out like he wanted to as quickly. He couldn't close that gap and get back as quickly as he wanted to at 154. Uh, if he would have fought Winky Wright at 154 at that height, I have to go with Winky Wright, only because the Oscar that that I feel could have beat him was the Oscar at 147, and we didn't see him at 154. But I, I, to, to Roberto's point, Oscar was still a live enough dog that that fight could go 12 rounds, and it would be a razor-sharp decision on who, whether he would win or whether he would lose. And um, that was, uh, I, I think that was, that, that was kind of a key part in how it was turned out. I got Winky Wright also winning, 115-113. Uh, I could even see a draw. Because that's just the ability of Oscar, not the popularity, just the ability of Oscar. Because the the one thing people got to understand is Oscar always knew how to be in a fight at all times of a fight. He knew how to be in a fight at all times of a fight. So, yeah, I, I got Winky White 115-113, but what a great fight that would have been to see. 
when it, at that time it should have happened. Well, no, you, you bring up you bring up some great points as well, and you know we would be remiss if we didn't talk about as well how how good Winky was, where he really wasn't even a middleweight, but it was to the point where Winky was able to go up and fight then champion Jermaine Taylor and fight to a draw. I mean, he gave Jermaine. I mean, people say Jermaine Taylor was limited, but he was undefeated at that time. He gave Jermaine Taylor work. Um, so you're absolutely right, you know, and, um, he, he was a difficult guy to look great in front of, you know, which is, you know, that win, uh, you know, that Vargas had over him showed you why Vargas, you know, had gotten that Trinidad fight and, and why, you know, Vargas was considered a G at that time. But, um, I would have to agree with you guys as well. You know, I'm an Oscar fan, and, you know, I, I like Oscar, and I said this before, you know, it was, you know, they always were going to find ways to, to, for Oscar to win, which was always shocking to me that he lost that Trinidad fight because I really felt that <laughs> that he won that Trinidad fight. Like, you know, if any fight he should have lost, it was, it was the sweepy fight. I don't think he should have won that. You know, I don't think he should have lost that Trinidad fight if you look at it, you know, and everybody will disagree. But it, it kind of challenged my theory that basically they were going to always find ways for Oscar to win. Like, Oscar was going to be in a situation where he was going to lose. They were going to find ways for him to win. But that being said, Winky Wright was always that one guy, as you stated, that was, you know, sort of like Glenn Johnson. Like, Glenn Johnson had nine losses. Everybody to the day said all those losses were robberies, every last one of them. And I think with Winky Wright, Majority of his losses, we could say, were probably very close fights. Um, but that being said, Winky was very difficult to beat, as you said, Bo, and as you said, Roberto, at 154. Um, Oscar had a very decent, dope style and a lot of heart to really make fights competitive. You know what I mean? Here's a guy that was a knockout king at the lower weight classes. He was big. And, you know, he moved up and still had success. And he had a chin. You know, if you think about it, he got, you know, when he got knocked out, it was to the body and somebody stopped him, you know, because he was just weight drained. Um, So with that being said, I can see Winky having his periods of inactivity, you know, and Oscar, like, throwing fast hands at him and everything. But I can see stuff that other people don't see where Winky covers up and pops Oscar with a few jabs and Oscar gets, you know, reeling back a couple of times. And, you know, I think that Winky being at 154, you know, was a very natural weight for him. I just see, like you said, Bo, this fight really being very close. And at the end of the day, three things are going to happen. Winky, I pick Winky to win by majority decision as well. You know, I think that the period, there's going to be a lot of fans complaining about periods of inactivity that Winky had, and they're going to say, hey, that this fight should be a draw. I can also see this fight being a draw and people saying, hey, you know, they, you know, Winky had periods of inactivity. Ultimately, what I see is both of those guys, you know, fighting it out again because contrary to what people believe, they believe that Winky was a, was a born fighter. But if you look at his fight against Jermaine Taylor, if you look at his fight 
against Vargas, you look at his fight against Shane, those fights were pretty much action-packed fights. Like, yeah. you know, even Trinidad, that wasn't a bad fight. That was actually a good fight. So, in the Mosey fight, the second fight, he stood there and stuck his chin out to let Mosey hit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mosey hit the crap out of him. Yeah. He hit the bull crap out of him, man. He, Mosey hit, Mosey hit like, like, like a workman. That boy hit like he got a hard hat and a lunch pail, man. He hits hard. He rocked. He rocked Winky. But um, yeah, yeah. I agree. If, I agree with you guys. But again, you know, here's another guy that went up in Fort Bernard too. You know, um, Winky just had had Winky problem was just it wasn't the fact that you know he just was a bad person and doing that. He just had problems finding fights and people to fight him, you know, and, and he wound up having to move up to different weight classes or people had to wind up, you know, moving up to fight him. And it may not have been their best weight class, but, you know, kudos on both behalves um, because the fights, the fights wind up happening. So, you know, that's, that's what I have this weekend. You know, there's a lot of people that that was was sitting on the on the board today and even yesterday saying, "Wow, like you would pick Oscar," and I was just sitting there chuckling, like I couldn't wait for us to really discuss it because I was sitting there thinking to myself, "You guys are really sleeping on Ronald, Ronald Winky, right, man?" Like he, you know, Oscar is one of my favorites, but Winky was pretty good at that weight class. So yeah, yeah, one fifty four for sure, man. I mean, he was. You know, he like he's like I think the constant has been he was I mean, he he wasn't a guy that people uh would pick first to fight. And even when you mentioned the Bernard fight, man, he went up to light heavyweight for that fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know what I mean? So um I mean yeah, Winky's one of those guys, man. I mean, I think for the pundits and the hardcores, he's a guy like we'll be talking about through the years. And even like, you know, he make he may pop up in another matchup, man, because let me tell you, man, there's a lot of Junior middleweights we haven't even tapped into when we talk about, and I know ROD has his little box of fury, but uh, I'm thinking off the head of some junior middleweights and even middleweights fighting him throughout, you know, the last like 30, 40 years, man. Winky's a tough fight for anybody, man. He's a tough fight for anybody. I would say junior middleweight, middleweight, he's a tough fight for anybody, man. And uh, he's one of those guys, man. He's, he's, uh, uh, Florida boy, guy got 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 a rep. I mean, he's more on the West Coast side of things, but um, yeah, man, that, that, uh, good solid matchup. Two great fighters. Um, I want to say Winky should be. I mean, you'd all agree he should be. I don't know if they're gonna. It would be first ballot, but like you'd agree he's he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Most definitely. For sure, man, for sure. Definitely good one, man. Good one this week, R.O.D. Um, nah, that's your thought, up. man. Listen, that was you. That was, that was your co-sign, man, because let me tell <laughs> you guys. I don't want to spoil. I cause, man, you know, because the other one we were going to pick, I started to think about it, and I'm like, ah, we might revisit that later because I got to sit and think about that one. But I think this was a, this was, this matchup was good only because, um, at least for Oscar, you know, even though we all pick Winky, like I was saying, like Oscar, 
he still had that trace of that little bit of that old Oscar at 154. At like, at like 160, we kind of saw the writing on the wall already. And kind of a little bit of the same with Tito. But, yeah, like. But, but think about it. Those three guys, that, that and I won't, I won't name them, but those three guys, Roberto, you know, we already know two, Winky and Oscar. But the third guy fights just like him, like a converted southpaw with his hand, his mm-hmm. dominant hand in his in the, in the front. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to him. I mean, we haven't he hasn't been mentioned in any of these, but he's a guy that we're gonna get to pretty soon because there's other matchups, man. Like he was I know you, was he a converted lefty? He was a converted lefty. Yeah, see if you can guess. I think it. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I mean, like I said, man. These matchups are um, outside. And again, man, we know we know people that visit um, the Instagram page. They see these matchups, and I, you know, we've been seeing other matchups on other ones. But I mean, I gotta shout the whole crew, man. Like between Rod, Coltrane, myself, and, and like everybody else, man. I mean, between all our brains, like. The matchups that we got coming ahead in the next, like, several months, man. I know Beaufort 1 is going to be really pissed off. <laughs> as far as ones we've been even chatting about. We haven't even talked about what we're going to do this week. Like, just chatting. Like, I, I could see Bo's face turning, like, completely red, man. So, <laughs> um, I believe that's, that's about it this week, man. Like, like I mentioned earlier, shout-out to Coltrane for hitting us up. Thursday nights, man, we are here at 9 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time. We're doing two shows a week now. Uh, you know, we got a big crew, man. You know, like, we, we, we got a lot going on, like, outside of our, our, our bubble of boxing. You know, we obviously got, you know, an, an outside life. But, you know, the crew, a, any which way we can to give the fans, you know, just our perspective of the sport, man. That's why we're doing two shows. And uh, shout-out to Bo on his end, man, doing his show, grinding like crazy, editing videos all day, all night. <laughs> um, I mean, definitely check out Bo. Um, I'm, editing, I'm, I'm actually doing an edit right now. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes, man. There he goes, man, multitasking. Uh, you can follow Bo, uh, Twitter and Instagram, Truth and Facts, right? Truth yes, and Facts. That's correct. Truth and Facts. Right. So. Um, He's got his show tomorrow night. Same uh, talkshoe.com. Uh, you can just search. What was the name of this? The Movement, right? The Movement. That's right. It's um, same phone number. It's uh, 142097-POUND. I remember it now. <laughs> you know, it took me a while, too, like when, when, I, when I started hosting the show and, and the crew kind of like, you know, ushered me in. Um, that's one thing I had to get used to was the number, but now it's just like that speed dial. (laughs) But um, like I said before, man, we got the two shows this week, man. I mean, between uh, the crew and Bo, man, you got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on lock. And um, like I said, man, this weekend we got, uh, you know, you got Vasquez Jr. versus Juanma. Um, If you want to pay the 30 bucks for it, feel free. I'm sure there's links out there. You know, feel free to watch (laughs) any way you can. Um, and then next week, man, we're going to be the beginning of a very, very, very eventful month. Uh, we're going to be doing our Pacquiao versus Vargas. And I can't believe that fight creeped up on us that quickly, man. And, you know, we're going to be doing the preview of, uh, that card. And, you know, there's a, the undercard isn't that bad as far as, you know, 
um, some of the features on there. But like I said, man, November, crazy, crazy month. But, you know, as we always do, man, we got to cover the sport. We're going to be covering the fights, and you know, we'll be giving our predictions as it pertains to next week's – or, you know, next couple of weeks, Pacquiao versus Vargas. On top-ranked pay-per-view, I believe, they really haven't talked too much about the whole live streaming thing, even though I, that's pretty much the route they're going on top of, you know, you being able to order it on top-ranked pay-per-view. So until next week, man, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Guard Go Boxing. You can follow me at Roberto underscore Flack, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, keep an eye on the Instagram uh, this coming week as R.O.D. will be dropping the new What If segment uh, for next week. And like I said, we'll be covering Pacquiao Vargas and the entire card. And that is pretty much it, man. So if you didn't catch us, uh, well, if you're listening now <laughs> and you want to listen again or you want to um, share the show with friends and family, what have you, we'll be on SoundCloud dot com slash gygb tomorrow before noon and uh as well as the thursday show uh will be on friday uh at noon so until next week man salute tune in tomorrow to the movement with my man bo and we'll see you uh thursday peace
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.